Welcome to Mo Chat, the podcast, a podcast about women stepping out of their comfort zone to live life on their terms. What if you truly believe you have the ability to create the life you want? What if you decide to live life out of the box? And what if you decide to ignore the naysayers and take bold steps to build your vision? Now, what would that vision look like? Every episode, we chat with women on the journey of stepping out of their comfort zone and living life on their terms. Now I'm your host, Mo Jones. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mo Chats. I am really excited for today's episode. I have the wonderful Alexis Barbero joining me today. Welcome, Alexis. Hi, Maureen. I'm so excited. This is my very first podcast, and I'm so excited to be doing it with you. Oh, I'm so excited also. This is going to be really fun. Just a little bit of, about Alexis. Alexis is the CEO and owner of Schwartz Design Showroom, and it is a trade room, a trade-only showroom with locations in New Jersey and Connecticut, and you cater exclusively to interior designers and architects. Did I get that? 100% perfect. I can't wait to hear more about it. So tell us a little bit about Schwartz Design Showroom. So Schwartz Design Showroom is a family-owned business. It's actually our 77th year in business. It was started in 1947. Don't check my math. Maybe it's <laughs> 75. Not good with the math. And it started as a retail furniture store by my grandfather, two brothers, and one sister in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And the thought was, actually, they started their opening day was Armistice Day. So as everybody was coming back from World War II and beginning their lives and together and starting families, they thought it would be a good and opportune time to open a furniture store. So that's the origins. And yeah, it's really, it's actually very interesting. And my aunt actually took it over the business in the late 70s. And my mother joined in with her as well. And so they owned it together, a retail furniture store in North Brunswick, New Jersey, for a good 25 years. And talking about like a pivoting moment, the furniture store went out of business. And my mother was 10 years younger than my aunt. And she said, I still have a child in college. I need to do something. And she really looked at her business and realized she had created all these wonderful relationships with interior designers. And at that time, really the only showrooms that were exclusive to interior designers were in New York City. So she really looked at that piece of the business and saw an opportunity there. So she pivoted when she was in her mid-50s and began the showroom and reincarnated it as a trade-only showroom. And let's see, Miles, my son is 16. So I started working for her about 16 years ago. And, you know, about, I'm trying to think now, six and a half years ago, I, I bought my mother out of the business, decided it was a good time. And five years ago, I opened up a second location in Stamford, Connecticut. Wow, what a real story of what it means to have really built something and bring it into your own. That is an amazing background on the story of how this business came to be. I would imagine along the way that as you decided to 
enter the business, first of all, let's backtrack a little bit. What did you do before you entered the business? So before I was actually in cosmetics, I was director of global marketing for Bobby Brown. And prior to that, I worked for Maybelline and for Elizabeth Arden. After I graduated college, I knew that I had a wonderful work ethic and I knew that no matter what I did, I would do it to the fullest and work my butt off. But I really had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I was lucky enough to fall into an environment within Elizabeth Arden in their skincare department. And I worked for a wonderful woman who became an incredible mentor to me. And honestly, I just kept moving my way up within the cosmetic industry. And I landed at Bobby Brown in 1999 and worked there for about four years until my son was born. And when he was born, I had, as we most of us do that, oh, now I have a baby. And I thought all along, oh, this will be so great. I'll just have a nanny and I'll pop back into the city. And I looked down at that little old, you know, we we called him Uncle Sal because he came in. He was like, (laughs) looked like he was right off the boat from And I just was like, oh, yeah, I can't do this. I can't, I'm just not ready. And at that time, I was hoping to maybe take some extended maternity take a leave of absence and it just didn't work out. It just didn't work that way. My role was global. So I would really have to open new markets in Brazil and India. And so I, I ended up saying, okay, I quit. And I'll never forget looking down at him in that little swing. And I said, oh my God, I'm going to be eating like macaroni and cheese for three years because I just quit my job and I have this baby and we just bought this house. And what am I going to do? And I was really lucky because I was able to be home for about six months before I started working for my mom. And I remember calling her and being like, oh, I really thought that I would just want to be a stay-at-home mom, which is great because I have so many friends who, and it's wonderful. And I was really like, I don't think it's for me. And is that okay? And she was like, why don't you just come in and start working a couple days a week? So I was so lucky that I had an opportunity to really work part-time and go in and I said, I'll just answer the phones. I'll do whatever. So I went from traveling the world and going into these high level meetings to, oh, Schwartz Design Showroom, how may I help you? And I really just learned the business from the ground up, which for me, I had done that in cosmetics. I really, you know, didn't have any formal training in, in any, in marketing even. And I just worked off my instincts and I just decided that no matter what, I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to learn it from the ground up. And I did that with the furniture industry as well. So it really sounds like you really had to reevaluate your life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Reevaluated your life. And often at times having a baby will do that for us in ways we never thought. (laughs) Yes. You're like, oh wait, these guys don't, they don't sleep. They don't. Oh, I didn't realize that. And then on top of that, you not only had to learn something new, you were starting over from the bottom to really learn a new industry in a way, even though it was your mom running the business at that time, you hadn't worked there and you had to learn from the bottom up and you were willing to just answer phone calls to take that step. Absolutely. And it's ironic because when I started in cosmetics, I started as an assistant within the global marketing group. And I remember saying to my boss, listen, if I'm answering the phones and I'm starting to understand who's calling you and what are the questions being asked? 
And I looked at that as such a learning moment to really be able to stand back and have a bird's eye view of all areas of the business. And I really did that within the showroom as well. Just answering the phones, learning the business. It's all about, like you said, pivoting and and making some of those adjustments and it was it, it, looking back on it. It's funny. I I had somebody who's now doing the job that I was doing, and she was like, "Oh, this job really sucks. It's so boring." I'm like, "Yes, but you get to learn from the ground up. You're gonna get to know all the different vendors." And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm like my mother now." So now I'm like, "It's come full circle." <laughs> it's come full circle. But I think it's really important, and I say this to my children too. It's that. No matter what the opportunity is, it's yours to make of it what you want. So you have to grab it and run. I think that's really important what you just said. You have to make the most of whatever opportunity that you're given. You can either use it as a stepping stone or you can sit there and just be like, oh my God, I'm not, this is terrible. (laughs) Correct. Exactly. You just have to have that positive, you have to have your mind be open. And again, that's something when I'm talking to young women or students. I do get to work a lot with students within the interior design community. And it's funny because I understand they graduate and they have put in a lot of investment into their schooling and graduating with entry-level job. What is entry-level? And to me, that's like the elevator on the ground floor. It's now on you. You have to invest in yourself, but you also have to believe in yourself that you can take that elevator up. I like that. Believe in yourself so you can take the elevator up. That is really <laughs> important. <laughs> I need to remember that one. I'm going to have to tell my kids when they wake up that that's it. <laughs> there you go. It'll be the quote of the day. Exactly. exactly. Now, speaking of open, so you start answering phone calls, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You're learning about the business, learning about the people calling. When did it get to the point when you felt I'm ready to be at another step in this business? It was really gradual. I worked for my mom for 10 years and that was a big difference. We had other colleagues within our industry where it was, it tends to be a family owned industry where a son daughter is working side by side, a parent, and it's more of a partnership. For me, it was, I was working for my mom and that was a good delineation between the two, you know, and at, at a certain point, what happened was She was taking a step back, you know, and saying, okay, I don't want to work five days. So I would like to now work four. I would like to work three. And it was at that moment, at that point, my daughter was probably two. When I really felt, okay, I can work more than three days. I can move on to four days. And I really started taking an active role in building relationships with our clients, with the designers. You know, I'd already done that from the very beginning. But my meaningful relationships were really turning into sales and really spurring a lot of growth for the showroom. So I really became the lead person who was developing the relationships. I was going out, I was marketing the showroom at different trade shows. I was doing all the advertising, even in the infancy of Facebook, starting all the social media accounts and taking the lead from that standpoint. But it's funny, it did happen organically. Although we did have a lot of help because again, with family businesses, it can get really ugly. Even when both parties have the best intentions at heart, um, <laughs> yes, really like ugly crying, ugly crying, you know, and it did, it got there and we were lucky enough that we did hire an outside sort of, we called it like she was a mediator, but she was really more of a therapist. You know, she had worked a lot with family businesses that transitioned and I 100% recommend that to any 
family company, if you can do so, just have that third person party come in just to have, again, a view that is clear and is you know, not directed towards any of the parties involved because it does, it can get ugly and it can get, especially when you're dealing with a mother daughter who really do love each other and want the best. I wanted the best for her and of course she wanted the best for me, but thankfully we were able to come to some really good agreements and I was able to buy her out about six and a half years ago. And it was funny because at the beginning we negotiated, oh, I'll work for a year and I'll transition out. And after four months, she was like, yeah, I'm out. I'm like, yeah, bye-bye, bye-bye, it's all good. Can you pick up Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sayonara? You're like, I got this. Yeah, I got it. And it's been, obviously she's a wonderful resource because she has so much industry knowledge for me. She also wanted to have a relationship with my children where she was always just the grandmother. So that was a nice transition for her versus being maybe my boss and having some other things complicate that. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's really important for people to hear the difficulties or challenges in doing business and particularly with a family member. Oh, it gets so complicated. She had a friend whose son didn't talk to her anymore. So we knew that it could go there. But of course, we were like, we are so rational. And we're, we're two bright women who... But again, yes, it's like labor and delivery. Nobody shares the ugly, but you have to because the ugly out of this kind of chaotic scene can come something really incredible. And you have to have the vision to be able to see through it. And I've always felt as myself as, I wouldn't say a visionary, but I do feel like I, it's very important to me to visualize what my next steps are, what um, I call it, it's almost like a daydreaming. I really feel, and I've always been like this, whether it was in college or I remember in high school being like, I can envision myself going to Syracuse. And I just built up this vision in my head. And I really truly believe when you put that vision out there and you put it out to the universe, you then can hold yourself accountable to that. And even subconsciously, you're working towards that. You're working towards that goal, even if you don't know it, even if you really don't know it. I I will agree with that wholeheartedly. I have learned so much about visioning. And even when you have that mental vision in your head as to what you want to accomplish and work towards. Absolutely. And the more you think about it, the more that you see it visually, the more you start believing in yourself and the more that the action comes into play. So that's really important. 100%. I just think without having that internal vision, it's your guiding light where, listen, we can, I say this again, I know I keep bringing it back to my kids. We can give them a wonderful education. You know, we obviously love them. We're trying to give them the best environment that they can. But the most important thing is really, I think, lighting within them the light and having them over time trust that they can actually follow that light. I think that's one of the most important lessons and messages that we can share with our kids without a doubt. Totally. totally. Now I just want to touch back on again on the challenges because like we said we so many times we talk about the wins and the successes and Mm -hmm. clearly we see you've had wonderful success with Mm -hmm. Schwartz Design Showroom but I want to talk a little bit about what challenges or failures you've had because I'm a big believer that it's when you have challenges when you have failures or you have that 
awful moment that you can turn into the most magical and beautiful mm-hmm. moment that comes out of it. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge and or failure? Yeah, I would definitely say I've always had challenges. And just even saying when I left my job, also too, before you have children, I call it like my pre-child self you do become a different person, whether it's a child or a dog. We have different life moments where we become different people. And I really just going through my mind, um, leaving my job and leaving everything that I had worked so hard to become, I just will never forget crying my eyes out and being like, I've ruined my life. I've literally stepped away from a career that most people dream of working for a woman who was a visionary and who has built this incredible billion dollar company. And I could have, I really could have potentially, you know, become the president of that company if I wanted. So really, it took me a long time to come to terms with, it was okay that I left that and I chose to do something else. In between, there were a million different failures, whether through motherhood, being a wife, being a friend, not staying in touch. And then even working for my mother, just making certain mistakes. It was very important for me when I started working for my mom that people didn't think, oh, it's just Suzette's daughter. We were a small company and I really had prided myself on making sure that people understood that I was a real worker. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to really do this and I want to help you. There was a young woman who was working for my mom at the time. And looking back, she left within a couple months of me coming. And I said, oh my God, did I push her out? I thought that I was just trying to make things work between us. And again, those are those different interpersonal relationships within work that if I'd gone backwards, I wish I could have done a little differently. But I would say my largest challenge to date from my business was that when I decided to open my second showroom, and really they identified me, I started pulling clients from a different area, from Westchester and from Connecticut. And they were driving to New Jersey and they were coming for our services. They were coming really for me and for my team that we had built, what we curated and what we've done. And they kept saying, you've got to open in Connecticut. You have to open in Connecticut. And of course me, I'm like, I'm going to just get this in my head. And I mulled over that for a year and a half. And finally a great opportunity came for a space. And I just said, I'm doing it. And I'll never forget. I was down in North Carolina at furniture market and just calling my husband and saying, I just signed a lease. I think I just signed a lease. I'm committed for three years. And he's like, okay. It was like all over the phone. I was like, it just happened really quickly. And I was able to be a part of a community in Connecticut where I'm around other showrooms that cater exclusively to the trade as well. And I wanted to be a part of a community that I could help build that wasn't already there. But In the meantime, there were already other players that were in that market. And unfortunately, those players that were there had really ruled that area. And I say that because they thought they had, they were in. And how they had kept their area dependent on them was through fear and running other sort of what they would call competitors out. And my feeling has always been good competition makes you do what you do better. And I highly respect I have competitors in my business because I know and I highly respect, I respect their business and how they do things. These guys were not respectable players and, you know, they were dirty and they got very personal. They attacked me personally. They attacked me professionally. And I would say for a a good three years, they really came after me and tried to drive me out and try to run me out of town. And that's a nice little drive from Stanford to South Orange. So I had a lot of time to think. And I would sit there and I would be crying 
to myself. Like, why am I doing this? I have a great business with a great team in New Jersey. And if I do this, I can really make it and I can help support my family and I can send my children to college. And why am I doing it? I had to dig really deep. And it became a moment that honestly, again, it's furniture. So, you know, I'm not taking care of sick people, but I really felt like I owed it to the design community to do the right thing and to to build this service bridge for them and be a connector. But it was really tough. I'll never forget describing to my daughter, who I think she was in second grade at the time, and she was having a little bit of a bully situation at school, and using myself as an example and saying, okay, you know, here I am, 43 years old, or whatever I was, I'm actually being bullied. And how am I going to handle it? Am I going to turn around? Am I going to walk away? No, I'm going to rise up because I did. I believed in what I was doing. I believed in that guiding light and I wanted to keep pressing forward. But I felt like at that moment, it was more than just me. I wanted to, again, create that environment. At that point now, I had five employees and I felt a huge uh, responsibility for them, their well-being, for their families, caring for them, providing health insurance, providing a paycheck. And again, for my clients and helping my clients build their business and really servicing them. And there were failures. I would say there was a lot of money spent that I I wish I had allocated those funds differently. I wish I had maybe listened to my mother a little bit. My part of what I also do, I won't say that I'm a knee jerk, but like once I get my head on something, I do it. And run with it. I run with it and I run so fast. And I, and a lot of times when you're running so fast, you don't always see, it's not like the leisurely job where you're really taking in everything. And because of that, I make mistakes along the way. Thankfully they were not mistakes and or failures that I couldn't recoup from. And I was able to do so, whether they were financial, with an employee, I was able to turn things around, but not without, there's a saying like eating your kishkas out where you're basically like, oh my God, I'm sick to my stomach. Those moments where you really, I really was sick to my stomach. Um, Wow. It definitely sounds like you've had some challenges and I think that's important to keep in mind. It's part of the journey. That can't have success without challenge or failures. And it's really important that we remember that. And those challenges can either motivate us and keep us forging ahead, or they can allow us to just give up. But you chose to keep going forward and particularly trying to make your way into the Connecticut market. Yes. And it seemed like they were trying to drive you out. And particularly in business, I I do believe you have to have this belief that there is room for everyone, right? Otherwise, if you just believe you're the only one that's going to be successful, you can't have a business that way. And you really, it seems like you had that in your mind that you were going to make your mark, not to necessarily overtake them, but you felt you needed Mm -hmm. to be there. And you were going to work this market and provide that service to the industry that needed to be there. Yeah. And I just felt too, we were, again, as I was mentioning, we were a group of businesses and showrooms that were all on the same street. My whole philosophy is we're stronger together. We're stronger together because at the end of the day, we're providing that support and service to our clients, the interior designers and architects. And really it was keeping them out of New York city. We were servicing them locally. So 
that they didn't have to schlep in, in and out of the city, which is interesting because now, obviously, with everything going on, I've had so many of my clients who are like, thank God you came. Who in their wildest dreams could have ever imagined we would be sitting here? <laughs> right? I didn't even know what Zoom was four months ago. And now it is our lifeline. Totally. You on know? so many levels. Absolutely. absolutely. You just don't know. You just don't know. Nope. Now, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Yeah. So you mentioned you made the move to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. You started your second showroom. Yeah. Now, along the way, were there times and moments where you felt like, oh my goodness, I am completely stepping out of my comfort zone. Yeah. What am I doing? Oh my God, absolutely. You know what, that brings up a really good, honest thing that I always have in my mind. And I remember thinking this when I was 25 and director of global marketing at Bobby Brown being, it's that out of body experience where you're like, fake it till you make it. I'm like, do they really know? That maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I can't believe I'm in these high level meetings and I'm flying all over the world and they're paying me like, ah. But I still feel like I have those moments where I'm like, wow, is this, is it real? But I think it is exciting to have those kinds of moments, whether you're faking it to make it really. But I think we all have a little bit of that in us. Maybe that helped propel me and kept me moving forward. But absolutely. Sometimes I leave the showroom and I would actually just sit in my car and cry and go back in. There were multiple times that would happen, that yeah. I would just sit there in the parking lot and Johnny, who works with me up in Connecticut, he handles all of our warehousing. He'd be like, shh, shh, shh. Like a, and I'd be like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like mascara dripping down my face. And then I looked at him and, and, and thought to myself, he's depending on me. Get it together. And it's important, again, I'm, I always say like I'm a lonely crier. I'm an ugly but lonely crier. I don't. There's some people, I have so many friends who are so great, like we'll get into, and we can all just cry and have it like a release. I do it like in my car to myself. Or like I do it in bed. But that's good. Oh. I think it's good to have those moments, particularly yeah. as you're building something and you are dealing with so much, so many yeah. different factors, and you're trying to bring it all together. And some days you doubt yourselves. Some days oh. it feels great. And then you're like, what am I doing? I and it. it's good to know that you have those moments. I think. Oh, absolutely. Everyone needs to understand. Like I, I talk to other women and I want the listeners to really understand that you're going to have those moments and it is Absolutely. okay. And yeah. that should not stop you. If anything, yeah. have that moment, accept it and yeah. say, okay, how can I learn from this? What's Absolutely. my next step? Exactly. And where am I going to go from here? And I will say too, I've always been so lucky and that I have a great support system, obviously with my mother and knowing that I could talk to her. Also, I wanted to really do it on my own. So there was a little bit of, even now my mother's like, don't really talk to me about that. It's also because we've sort of now become the back to the mother-daughter relationship, but I've always had a great group of friends who are really my support, who were like my biggest cheerleaders, whether they were my college girlfriends. I had some friends who were going through the motions at the same time of their own businesses in town. It was a great support. And, and I would say too, that my friends came from all different areas of the country, all different backgrounds. Some were choosing to stay home at that moment, you know, but they all brought so many different amazing ideas and perspectives. So having this larger sort of friend circle, even though you have a type few, 
really became so important. That one, that once a year girl trip, girls trip from my college girls, I'll never forget going and just like plopping down. And I didn't have to say anything to my friends. They just were like, let me make you a cocktail and we're gonna, we're gonna hit it, we're gonna get into it. And I didn't feel like I was taking up their time. I had that space where I could just say whatever I wanted. There's no judgment. They weren't from within my industry, so they weren't gonna sit there and say, I would do it differently. I would, blah, blah, blah. So I think having a, that support is crucial. I call it my village, I really do. It's the village particularly when you are building something like this, yeah. being able to have friends and a support system outside of it. Absolutely. Really help you keep going and you can release to them and you can vet to them and they're going to support you and they're going to encourage you Absolutely. and they're going to tell you to keep going, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me as well, my husband too, at that time he was working and commuting into the city and traveling a lot and I have a wonderful nanny who is, those are my true villages, my husband and my nanny. I remember one Christmas giving her like a beautiful present or something and she just was like, I can't accept it. And I said, without you, I wouldn't have been able to even open Connecticut because I would never have been able to do that without obviously my husband's support, but then my babysitter's support. Because also at the end of the day, if you don't feel like your children are safe and sound and healthy. It's very difficult. It's really difficult. So she is just as, as much of a part of my success story as anybody else. My husband too. Really, I've been truly blessed and lucky in that sense that I've always had those big supporters. Let's talk about the village a little bit because I think that's important. And I think so many times people will see successful individuals in business, particularly women, and they say, how does she do it? How does she do it all? And I think it's really important for us to explain that, number one, it does take a village. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Number two, you cannot be perfect at every single aspect of your life. I, at every single <laughs> moment. Nope. Right, at every single nope. moment. Nope. And number three, there are just some things you have to just let go and say, you know what, this I just can't do. I'm right. either... It's either going to be on the back burner or I'm going to have to figure out someone else to help me because I have to focus on this. Absolutely. Again, when I'm talking to, and in particular, young women, I really do. I've been, again, lucky enough that I've had a number of really smart uh, young women come in as our interns at the showroom who have gone on to work for me for nine, 10 years for a long time. But what I've always said too is that same as you. You can't have every single thing you want at every point in your life. We all have to make choices. And that's okay. That's okay. And I've also said too to young women, if you think you do want to have a child, there is a time for I think a lot of people don't talk about it. I struggled with infertility issues and I was in my early 30s and I was young. So I do think two people think Oh, if I'm going to be successful, I'm going to have to devote my 20s and 30s to my career. And then when I'm th in my late 30s, they have this set plan in their head. And then all of a sudden it's physiology knocking at your door. And it's, oh yeah, that doesn't really happen so easily. That's not really how it goes. And especially for a lot of women who are, you know, successful and really goal oriented as we all do you envision your life and certain things happening in certain time frames, And it doesn't happen like that. Again, that was also not in business, but one of my biggest challenges in life. I always knew I wanted to be a mother and 
all of a sudden I found that I, I couldn't, I, I just wasn't able to, to do it. And for me as well, when I did take that step back after my son was born, that was a moment where I was like, you know what, I could go on and I could work through his infancy. A part of me said, you know what, you worked so hard for this child and for this moment, enjoy it, take it. And I'll never forget like putting him in the jog stroller and being like, you know what? I am so lucky. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to eat macaroni and cheese. Listen, finances are finances. And again, I was lucky enough that I could then go back part-time into something that I knew I wanted to, you know, eventually get into and grow anyway. Again, you were saying your life pivots and you have to take the moment to take it all in, but then move and move forward. And again, I'll never forget the women at the fertility clinic. Anyone who's struggled with infertility will know, like you're doing those first morning blood draws and you're there at 6.30 in the morning. When you look around, you're like, these women are like going through everything that I'm going through. And at that point, nobody was really talking about it. I'll never forget going to a friend's baby shower. And it was after I'd had a miscarriage. We were up in Massachusetts and standing around and her mom was talking and um, my friend was like, I'm so glad you came. And I was like, of course I'm going to come. It was hard, but I'm going to come. And all of a sudden her mom started burst into tears. And she was like, I had three miscarriages. She started talking and her daughter was like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like in the late sixties and the seventies, women didn't talk. And at that moment too, I thought, this is my villain. And again, this is another moment where talking about things and obviously some people there's privacy and whatever but I always felt very comfortable talking about challenges like that or whether it's in business or personal because now that I'm actually thinking about it probably a way that I've been able to move forward by talking about it that's my cathartic moment like talking through things getting some viewpoints from friends and then being able to like once it's been out there moving on the village does become important. And again, the village can change too. There's friendships that you grow out of. There's work peers. Ironically, I was just away for a weekend and I ran into a woman I worked with 25 years ago. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God, I haven't seen you in 25 years. We just had, obviously with COVID, with the socially distancing between the masks and the, it was so bizarre, but I knew it was her and I just had to go up and say hi. And she was somebody who I worked with my very first job at Elizabeth Arden. And I thought to myself, God, that was a lifetime ago. That was a lifetime ago. Don't those moments just bring you back? And it's, wow, yeah. you've realized you, what a lifetime ago that was. Absolutely. What a lifetime ago. And, and saying, okay, I could sit there and be like, oh, I wish we had kept in touch. And maybe that's one of the benefits of social media. We are friends on social media, so we can have a bird's eye view of the people we've always cared about or had in our lives without feeling that we have to be so intimate because those relationships take a lot of time. If I'm going to go intimate, I want to make sure I'm a good friend. I'm there. I'm doing things. But again, you, you can't do that at all points of your life when you're knee deep in diapers and puking kids and like getting to work on no sleep. You've been there. It's like, we're getting the call from the daycare center. Like, I'm oh, he's pooping and vomiting all yeah. over the place. And I'm like, oh, great. I can't great. be there. I won't be there. Please come pick up your child. Yeah, and I remember driving up the parkway and my, my son is in the back and he's literally like, exploding from everywhere. And I just literally sat him down. He was like seven months old on my lawn and he just sat there and I like hosed him off. I just was like, what am I gonna do? I don't even know. Like I remember calling my mom crying. She's like, just water, just hose him. I literally hosed the, the car seat. Again, you're like, 
oh my God, did that just really happen? Right. <laughs> oh, it did. It did. Oh, oh my goodness. Funny oh moments. All those little pieces and moments that come together throughout the days of your life, right? Oh my God. Or even just, yeah, work moments where I wore two shoes to work one day. Different. Two, two different shoes. And two different shoes. I love it. <laughs> and like looking down and being like, oh my God, I, I don't even know. Clearly I need to get reading glasses or something where I can see the details of my shoes. Or maybe I have too many shoes. Like these moments where you're like, oh my God. Again, did that really just happen? It did. It did. It did. <laughs> I did just do that. <laughs> I did. You know, and owning it. And honestly, I'm the first, like, I, I laugh at myself all the time. I really do. There are moments where I, I'll say something and, and then afterwards be like, whoa, that's not really what was going on in my head. That's what maybe came out of my mouth. When you just have to, I also feel like you can't take yourself too seriously. That's a huge thing too. I know that I'm bright. I know that I'm successful. I know that I'm doing everything I can to build the life for my children that I want. But at the end of the day, I, I laugh. I'm like, again, I have the moments where I'm like, did I just do that? Yeah, I did. Exactly. <laughs> you have to laugh at yourself. You, you have to. I think when you take yourself too seriously, that just doesn't get you anywhere and adds more stress than we need. So I agree. it's good to step back and definitely have that laugh. For sure. So we talked a, a lot about Shorts Design Showroom. Mm -hmm. And it allowed you to step out of your comfort zone on so many days, so many times, still continues, level. right? Yeah. You still yeah. continue to do that. Yeah. But you also have decided to live life on your own terms by doing that. Absolutely. 1000%. And we're like in a moment too with my husband where he's pivoting into a different career. And now he was there for me all of these years too, where he maybe stayed in a job that he wasn't happy in just to be able to have the insurance and all of that. And now we're doing the opposite as he is developing his next role, his next step. But again, we're stepping out of our comfort zone all the time all of the time because then it's really worth it if you're not really stepping out and pushing yourself i don't want to look back and say oh damn i should have you know what i had always dreamed of opening that second showroom I'll, you know what i'll say this my mother who is a huge supporter of me she called me and said why are you doing this this is a lot you've got a successful business you have two children you, you can make enough money and and i said because you know why because i've always wanted to do it for me, at that moment, I didn't need something further. That was enough for me to follow through my dreams and to get through those difficult days. And by the way, there are still difficult days. Again, getting through COVID. Again, I'll, I'll never forget getting through the recession and being like, okay, there's ups and downs in the financial markets and we're going to go through recessions, and, but there'll never be another great recession. But who could have ever imagined there would be a pandemic? Who would have imagined? Who would have imagined? Again, we have to pivot and rise to the top and find new ways. I found new ways to reach out to my customers, my clients, to know that I was, my team and I were still supporting them. And, and right now, my village is my team. My team's in New Jersey and Connecticut. My employees, my success is their success. We're so intertwined. I would have none of the successes that we have without the team that I have. Um, and that's huge. That's definitely huge. And it's important to recognize that. Absolutely. Now, Alexis, what advice would you give for any women who are 
they're listening to you talk, they hear that you've managed to work your way and build yourself into running this amazing business and this amazing company. And we know there are great days and terrible days where you're practically on your knees crying type of days. And I would also imagine there were moments, maybe not now, where you were like, should I keep doing this? Am I do- oh, why am I doing this? I- absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. I, I always say to women, again, a big one is you can't have everything at every moment in your life. And that is okay. That's okay. I think too many times we put so much value on financial success. I'm all for breaking the glass ceilings. I Listen, I, I think it's wonderful, but not everybody wants to break it and that's okay. I think you have to also create your own definition of success and work towards it. And that could be something within business. It could be a personal goal. It could be, it could be a million different things. There's not just success in business. We're talking about that right now, but these are the moments where, you know, just setting a goal for yourself and believing. And and like I was saying before, trusting that inner vision. And it's so hard to teach because both of my children, I wish I had really trusted that inner vision or followed it earlier on in my life. Because again, I did when you graduate from college and your parents are like, you're going to get the job. You're going to get the nine to five job. You're going to do it. And I did that and I still was like, now what, you know, what, um, that's not really fulfilling. So just also, that's another one too. You change your goals can grow again at different points in your life. You have different goals. And then there are always these moments of self doubt where again, or those moments where you're like outside yourself looking in and you're thinking to yourself, is that really me? Could I really be in charge of this business making these decisions? I hate, I always say fake it till you make it, but that's really not the case because you really got it. We just have to all dig deep enough and find it. I will say you have to work your ass off. There's a lot of times too where I've spoken to young women who are like, I have this vision plan and here it is, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so now how are you going to get there? What blood, sweat, and tears are you going to put into that? Oh no, I'm going to hire people. They're going to do it. No, no, no. Depending on what that goal is, you've got to put your whole heart and soul into that. And it's going to turn into ugly crying. It's going to turn into failures. You're going to have some successes, but you have to trust in yourself that you'll get through it and through those emotions. You really gave some really good pointers for us to think about. And I think you can't, you can, you can't have everything at the same time at every moment. It's really important for women to keep remembering that you want to create your own definition of success. What might be success for you is going to be different for someone else. And it's important to know that, but you've got to be willing to work your ass off. Like you said, 1000%. That's it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) exactly. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. It it ain't happening. And you know what? And maybe success doesn't always have to be the nine to five. Exactly. And I totally agree with that. A lot of times it's not. A lot of times exactly. And that's and, okay. And that's actually great. I like that. I'm going to make it a point to reiterate that success does not always have to be the nine to five. No, exactly. I love it. Oh, love wow. It. 
thank you so much for joining me today. This thank was an amazing so. conversation. So many pieces awesome. of wisdom from Alexis today. And I can't wait for the listeners to really dig into this episode. I really enjoyed chatting with thank you today. You. Thank you. And congratulations to you. You are, you are incredible. So I just have to give you a little shout out. You are constantly pivoting, changing, doing new things. Talk about pushing yourself out of your zone. You are a rock star and you are so incredible. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Women like you inspire me to keep going out of my comfort zone. And I want to just continue to inspire other women to do that too. So oh, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for joining us on another episode on Mo Chats. And remember, keep living life while constantly straightening out your crown. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Mo Chats. Remember, you can check us out at www.molifespeaks.com. You can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Mo Life Speaks. And remember, keep living life while constantly straightening out your crown.